Hi, this is Pastor Josh. Welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. Harbor is a place where people can connect with Jesus and with each other. And if you're looking to get connected, you can find more information at harborchurch.com. Now here's this week's message from a guest speaker. And man, let me just say welcome. Welcome to everybody in the room. Welcome to everybody online watching this on YouTube or Listen to this on the podcast. If you're new, my name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor here today. And uh, man, we are we are looking for what it is that God is calling us to do, to step into. And I'm stoked that you're with us. I'm so glad that you're a part of our services. And here's here's what, what's been taking place this week. I was able, I was blessed to be able to take our men up to a conference in New Hampshire. We went to the Warrior Conference this week. Three guys were with me on that. Okay, cool. Uh, Man, it was an amazing week. It was an amazing time. We had a blast getting to connect with each other, but we went Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And so Thursday night service, I said, man, I need, I need somebody who I can trust to step into our pulpit, and especially at this time in our, in our church's life. And you look around, we're full. When we got people in the overflow, and that'll be the same thing the next service. It's the same thing happening on Thursday nights. Last service at 8 a.m., I think there was 10 seats open. I mean, our church is growing, and that's exciting. I'm pumped about that. Some of you haven't had your coffee yet. I'm glad that you're, you're excited, too, because we're reaching people, and people are coming to know Jesus. But here's the problem is there's not enough room. And I don't think God's done reaching our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers because I believe that every single person deserves an opportunity to hear that Jesus Christ loves them, that he died for them. So what do we do about that? And what is God calling Harbor Church to do? We, we have a property down the road that we were able to purchase the beginning of this year, and we've, we're in the process of trying to remodel that. And hopefully opening up that building will allow us to have a second campus with more seats and we can continue to reach more people because I know that there's more people that God wants to, to impact their lives. But how do we do that? And what steps do we need to take even right now while we're getting ready for that? And so I invited one of my friends who's, he's become a really dear friend to me over these years. Six years ago, almost seven years ago, when we were planning Harbor, he reached out and said, I want to help a church on Cape Cod. Now that's because he's biased. He's from Cape Cod. He's a Cape Cod boy born and raised. Some of you have already heard from Pastor Dan Coleman before. If you remember, he's the pastor of Central Church up in Maine. He is a Cape Codder who uh, went up and, and began taking, he took a baby church up in Maine and has grown it to be one of the largest churches in that entire state. And every weekend they reach thousands of people with the gospel and they've got multiple campuses. He's seen what it's like to grow a church. And so I'm stoked for you guys to get to hear from him and what God's doing through him and what, what I believe God put on his heart for our church because I, I think he's speaking from a place of experience, and that's what I love for you. The first two times he's preached has been a huge blessing to Harbor, and I think for you guys today, if you'll lean in, God will use him to bless your life. So without any further ado, will Har- Harbor Church, will you help me welcome my good friend Dan Coleman to the stage as he comes to pre- preach to us? Well, thank you, thank you. Harbor Church, how are you guys doing out there today? Everybody doing well? Awesome. So, hey, you just got the introduction, but if we haven't met before, I- I've been here I've been here a couple of times now, you know, but every time I come, there's more of you, you know? It's amazing how that works. So we haven't met before. My name is Dan. I'm the lead pastor of a church that is up in Maine called Central Church. And Central Church is, what I'm about to say, 
is language you're gonna start hearing pretty soon as well. Central Church is one church that meets in a few different places, a few different locations across the, the central Maine area. We started about 12 years ago in just the capital city of Maine called uh, Augusta right there, and it's one of the smallest state capitals that we, we have in our nation. Uh, but we began to grow, and uh, we grew and outgrew our, our buildings, and we even grew, get this, it was crazy, to four services. You know nothing about that, right? You know, and just, man, we needed four of everything, and we're like, okay, maybe we can build, but we didn't have the land and all that, and so God put a burden on our hearts that we said, hey, there are a lot of people who are coming from different communities and different towns, and if there's a good church, like, you'll, you'll drive 20 minutes, you'll drive 30, you'll drive 40, some people, some of you are doing that, but here's the thing, your neighbors who don't yet love God, they're not gonna do that, right? And, and so we said, hey, we gotta send some of these people back, release them back into their communities. And so these days, Central Church meets in three different towns uh, every single weekend. It means that we're able to bless and we're able to reach out to and, and serve and reach three different communities of, of people, which is, is really, really cool. But not only that, when you begin to have a heart for you know, the gospel and for uh, the harvest and the field. And you're like, man, like, I, I want to see more people come to have what I have, know, you know, what I, I know and find this life in Christ. God will begin opening doors that you're not even knocking on, the ones he wants opened. And so about a year and a half ago, we had an organization come to us and said, hey, we see you taking your church and planting it in different places. Would you come and do that with us? It was the main DOC, the Department of Corrections, not a Christian organization, by the way. And they're like, hey, we need some of what you got in here in our prisons. And so about a year ago, they asked us to come in. We said, yes. And we now every week take teams of our people, train them, raise them up, send them into the main department of corrections, the facilities there. And we've seen men and women come to know the Lord. We've seen men and women come on the inside, become a part of our church, and then get out and continue to be a part of our church as well. And so uh, thank you for celebrating that. What God has done up in Maine, you know, 12 years, this June is 12 years that I've been serving and leading there with my wife, Amanda, and our kids by, uh, by my side. And we've seen, you know, it go from a small group of people to something much, much larger gathering. Yeah, a big number, but it's the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of families uh, that have come and put their faith in Christ and they've been, you know, saved. And we get to see evidence of that every weekend as people are, are baptized publicly almost every single weekend in our services. What he's done in that, that time through the years, uh, it's, it's been so incredible and I'm appreciative that you would celebrate what God is doing up in Maine with me today. But I gotta say, every time I have the opportunity to come, to stand on the stage, and to share a message with you, it is a very surreal thing for me. It's a very special thing for me because I'm working up in Maine, but I am from here. I am a Cape Cod boy born and raised, yeah. I went to middle school right over there, um, and it's never been the same. Uh, Went to high school, you know, right, right back over here, Barnstable High School, uh, along class of 02, played, uh, played soccer. My dad used to buy fish for his fish tank in this building back when it was a business, back when it was Cape Made Farms. And so when I come here, I'm not just visiting and kind of filling in. Man, I'm coming home. And through the years, I've been able to watch, you know, Harbor Church grow from just being a dream that God placed on, in a few people's hearts to the, 
the reality, the dream come true that it has now become for hundreds and hundreds and families, you know, across, you know, Cape Cod and, and even beyond. And, you know, the early years here at Harbor have been very special. I think there's a sense of that. I think you, uh, you know that. And the growth that you have experienced and are experiencing, it's unprecedented. Like that, that word, I, I, I think, is, is very accurate. It's, it's true. And now, church, here you are. What you're doing is you're standing on the edge. You're standing on the verge of something brand new. You are about to start another chapter in your story. You are about to start running another lap in your race. You are about to become one church, meeting in a few different places, a few different locations as well. And, and, and so, yeah, I know a little bit about that. And maybe in that area, we're a couple of steps uh, uh, ahead and further down the road. And so uh, I've been asked generously to, to come and to talk to you about that and help prepare your hearts and your minds for what's coming, what's around the corner. And what I want to do today is I want to help open your eyes as a church family to the massive need that is all around you. And I want to help open your eyes to the fantastic opportunity that God has placed in front of your faces, Harbor Church. So first, let's go ahead and let's just talk a little bit about the need, as if you needed a short guy from Maine to come tell you about the need down here, right? Like church, I, I think that we all, we all, we already know <laughs> that we are witnessing, we are seeing right now some of the worst times in American culture in, 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 our, in our nation's history. Politically, we are more divided and vicious than we ever have been before. Religiously, God is being deplatformed. I think that's, that's the term these days, right? He is being like systematically removed out of every you know, place and office and institution as quickly as we can get him and get his name out of places and office stuff where we're trying to, people are trying to for sure. Sexually, it is a very, very immoral and impure time. Our culture, our entertainment, Hollywood, purity, modesty, I don't even think those are words that we use in our modern day English anymore. Uh, drugs, who here knows that we don't just have a drug problem in our nation here on Cape Cod, don't, don't we have a drug epidemic? I mean, it is, it is a sinful, shameful, dark, depressing time, and so many people have given up hope of ever seeing a better and a brighter tomorrow. And if you came here today and came to church today hoping to feel a little bit better about your life and about your situation, right now you're thinking, Pastor Dan, you're not doing a good job of that right now, right? <laughs> Strangely, I don't feel any better at all. <laughs> but this, this is where we make the shift. Who here knows that the darkest part of night comes right before the dawn? Church, I believe. I believe that there is opportunity in front of us that we have not seen in many, many decades. And in the middle of this mess, we, God's people, we are actually positioned perfectly to see revival, the likes of which most of us have only read about in books or watched about in the movies. Uh, recently, there was a, a movie in theaters. It was called The Jesus Revolution. Show of hands, how many people saw that, that movie? Yeah, all the good Christians, you know? And, uh, and then the rest of us. Notice your pastor didn't raise his hands. Um, but 
Whether you saw it or not, uh, The Jesus Revolution was a movie that kind of painted this picture. It, it depicted not, not one of, but the greatest spiritual awakenings we've seen in U.S. history. So let me, let me give you the backstory to it. Uh, on the heels of the 50s, the 50s was called the Roaring 50s, one of the greatest decades we, we've seen, came, of course, the 60s. And in 1961, JFK became our president. And really, that, that marked a shift in American culture. And so he, he stepped in, and him and his administration became aware very quickly of a Russian plan to conquer and to amass untold amounts of weapons of mass destruction, and even began kind of stashing missiles off the coast of our country in Cuba. It was called the Cuban Missile Crisis. And so America braced itself for all-out nuclear war. It was a very, very scary time. But that fear was only just beginning. In 1963, our leader, our president, JFK, was shot, was killed. Cold blood, broad daylight. Most people could not fathom, believe that something like that would, would happen in our country and our nation was rocked. But again, it was only just the start. 1968, MLK, Martin Luther King, was shot and killed as well. His voice was silenced. And then a couple of months later, Bobby Kennedy, the younger brother to JFK, who was going to be running for president, most people thought he's going to come and he's going to bring stability. He was shot to death and killed as well. All the while, the Vietnam War was raging and young men started coming back to this country in body bags. Uh, stateside. Young people looking for answers and, and purpose and direction and finding none turned to sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And a British band arrived on U.S. soil. They were called the Beatles. And man, we got some Beatles fans in here today. You need to repent of that. No, I'm just kidding. And John Lennon of the Beatles, he declared that they were bigger than Jesus. And for a lot of people, absolutely, they were. And so Time Magazine actually looked out at culture and assessed all of this and, and put out uh, a magazine. And, and on the cover of their magazine, they simply asked this question, is God dead? And for a lot of people, they, you know, they suppose, they assume that, you know, he might as well be. But out of this very dark and devastating time, God moved. God intervened and the Jesus movement was born. Thousands and thousands of young people started coming back to, they, they started coming to Christ and they started coming back to and filling up the churches again. So here's what church was like during this time. You know, in, in the Christian church, there was a sense of expectation during this time. You know, people came, they showed up and people were not late for church because if they were late for church, they did not find a seat, <laughs> They did not find, you know, a place in the pew. Pastors, ministers, preachers back then preached the word of God simply, humbly, but boldly giving direction to a country and a culture that desperately needed it. Uh, during, during this time, 
the contemporary worship music movement was born. And music in church that had been a bit strict and, and, and stale now became vibrant and alive all of a sudden. And so Time Magazine looked out at this and saw the shift in the culture and issued another issue of their magazine and simply on the front of it put these words. They wrote down the Jesus Revolution. This was the last great spiritual awakening in our country. Church, let me go ahead and state the obvious. We need another one. We need another great spiritual awakening in this nation. And here's the pretty cool thing. All of the ingredients to have it, to see it, have strangely all of a sudden been put on the table in front of us right now. First, we have, we, we see the need, don't we? <laughs> uh, th there is need like no other time. We have riots. We have racial tension. We even have Russian aggression. Uh, spiritually, um, sexually, it is a very dark and it is a very impure and immoral time. Drugs, it's an epidemic. It's rampant. People are looking for answers and purpose and not knowing where to turn. Young people are being killed. Again, maybe not this time overseas in a war. They're being killed in our schools and on our campuses. Sounds like, it feels like you know, we watch the news and we hear about another mass shooting like every you know, couple of weeks and we're like, oh man, again, that's too bad. Like we've grown accustomed to it, numb to it. How, how terrible is that? And on the heels of a global pandemic, people are more alone and lonely and isolated than ever before. Like, you know, if there needs to be, be need, like we got it, we, we see it. And here on Cape Cod, what has God done? Praise God, he has seen fit to raise up in the middle of this mess a vibrant church that is both passionate in worship and committed to preaching the truth of God's word with grace and truth. And that's good news. That's good news because this is essential this is a necessary part of the puzzle. This is a necessary ingredient if we are going to see awakening again. Because before we can see another great spiritual awakening, first we must have a new revival. Yeah. You might hear that and ask, what's the difference? You know, a great awakening, a new revival. Well, a great awakening is for people who don't know God. And don't understand that there is salvation offered freely to them today through God's son, Jesus Christ, and what he did on the cross for you and me. They need to have their eyes open. They need to be awakened. God needs to be put on the radar in the first place. That's an awakening. A revival is for the church. It is for the Christian. It is for God's people. It is God bringing back to life inside of you and me what has become a bit dead and dull. Before we see another great awakening, first, we must have a new revival. Uh, speaking of revival, the prophet Habakkuk, which his name is fun to say, um, kind of harder to find if you go looking for it. Habakkuk chapter three, verse two. The prophet says, Lord, I have heard the report about you. 
Lord, I stand in awe of your deeds, all that cool stuff that you did, but would you do this? Revive your work in these years. Make it known in these years and in your wrath, remember mercy. I love what the prophet's saying there. He's like saying, I, I, I'm not satisfied by hearing the reports and the stories of all the cool stuff you did long ago. Pastor, damn, that's cool that God did some great stuff back in the 60s. What about in 2023? What about here? What about now? This should be our prayer. God, revive your work today, here, and now. Uh, in, in the book of yeah, in the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 85, verse four through seven, the writer of the Psalm says, now restore us again, O God of our salvation. Put aside your anger against us once more. Will you be angry with us always? Will you prolong your wrath to all generations? Man, God seems angry. Why is he so angry? Because we are so wicked and we're so sinful. But won't you do this? Won't you revive us again so that your people can rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Church, we need this. We need God to come and to do again today what he once did long ago. We need revival in the Christian and in the Christian church so that there can be awakening in our country again. Speaking of awakening, it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. God has put some good people up in Maine. God has put some good people here on Cape Cod, and God has put us here to help wake people up to help them wake up to put god back on their radar and to help people around you look up to heaven for help and for healing church we could say it and we probably say it often weekly at least what a what a terrible time right what a terrible time in our culture what a terrible time in our nation we could say that and in many ways it is true but instead i think we should start saying this what a terrific time. What a terrific time for awakening and revival. And church, we need it. We need revival in a few places. So let's talk about a few places where we need revival. The first one is this. We need a national revival. The American church needs to be shaken from its slumber the American church needs to be revived again. Let me bring you to a verse that we're gonna stick with the rest of the time. Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse 14. This, this is an important one. If you call yourself a, a Christian, God says, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins. I will restore their land. Isn't that awesome? What a terrible time. God's like, if you would stop just whining and complaining <laughs> and do the things I'm telling you to do, I'm not saying maybe I would. He says, I guarantee I will. I will change things around you. 
There will be better days. There will be a brighter tomorrow. I will come and heal and forgive and restore your land. And if we're gonna see it, if we are going to see revival in our nation and healing in our land, the first thing that he says we have to do is we have to humble ourselves. So how do we do that? We're talking about a national revival. How do we as a nation, the American church, how do we start humbling ourselves? Well, I think that we start humbling ourselves when we stop behaving as if our elected officials and government leaders have the ability to solve all of our problems and save us. Church, they don't. They can't. They won't. Not, not to get overly political, because I know Pastor Josh feels the same way. I don't, I don't believe that's what, what this is for, this, this platform, this influence. But, but I will say this. Donald Trump and Joe Biden may be as different as different can be politically, but both of those men have one thing in common. Bad hair. See, in a message like this, it gets a little heavy. You got to throw a few of those in there. It's called preaching right there. Um, so maybe they have that in common. Here's another thing more importantly that they have in common. They're different, but they have this, this in common. They are both deeply flawed, fallen, sinful men. Those men and any other candidate that you're going, well, if we just get him or just get her, I'm telling you, they will never be the fix, the solution, the salvation that you and I and our country needs. But God is standing there right now saying, if you would just humble yourselves before me, I am able and ready and willing to forgive you and to restore this land again. So we have, we have to humble ourselves and humbly admit God is the only solution for our problems and he is the only salvation for this nation. If we're gonna have a national revival, first we have to humble ourselves and then the second thing he said, we have to humble ourselves and pray. Shocking, right? It's like a new thing that we've never done, right? Like we have to pray. I've heard it said that there has never been and there will never be a prayerless Revival. The late great evangelist Billy Graham, who knew a thing or two about people coming to Christ and just crowds and masses and thousands of people, he led, you know, crusades they were called, evangelistic events, you know, many revivals. He was interviewed near the end of his life, and somebody asked him, you know, Billy Graham, could, could we see like what you saw, all those people turning to Christ, like that movement, could we see something like that again today? And Billy Graham answered and he said, we could, we could. But first he said, the church, the American church is going to have to get desperate enough to see it again. And do you know how we get desperate again? We hit our knees and we pray like we haven't prayed in a long time. Praying, begging God for the state and the soul of this nation. We need a national revival. And so we have to humble ourselves and we have to pray. But let's take this and let's get a little bit closer to, to home, to our home. We need a national revival. Second, we need this. We need a local revival. The church, not just a church. It's gonna take more than just a church. 
The church on Cape Cod needs to be revived again. Second Chronicles 7, 14. Again, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins and restore their lands. The church, the church on Cape Cod needs to be revived so that more people and communities on the Cape can be awakened to him again. And to do that, to do that, to see a local revival, the church on Cape Cod being revived, here's what we have to stop doing. We have to stop coming to church seeking our own agenda and comfort. If you're here today and you are like, man, I need something and I, I need some purpose that I'm lacking and I need some answers and maybe it's church, maybe it's God. I don't know, we're so glad that you're here and there are people that have been here for hours getting ready for you and absolutely, we want you to come and we want you to know. If you're like me and you've been in church for some time, would you just agree with this? This is not for you anymore. This is not about us. It never has been and it never will be. This is about God. This is his place. This is his hour. This is his people. This is his time. And so we gotta stop walking into this place going, I want it to be this way and that way and I hope it meets my needs. No, we need to start asking, what does God want? We seek his face, we seek his will. God, what do you want in this place? What do you want from me? What do you want from this church as a whole? And God tells us very clearly in his word what he wants. He tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse nine. It says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. What's happening here is Peter is talking to the church and some of the church, they were whining a little bit and complaining. You never do that at Harbor. I've never heard it, but anyway. So they're saying, man, the world's getting bad and it's a mess out there. Jesus said he's coming back. Where is he? Why is he dragging his, his feet? And Peter's saying he's not being slow. Number one, he said a couple of verses ago to them that like a thousand years is like a day to the Lord. And so his timing is not our timing, but he said he's not dragging his feet. He's not being slow. He's, here's what he's doing. He's being patient for your sake because he does not want anyone to be destroyed. He wants everyone to repent. A couple of those words there, destroyed, re repent. You might hear that and be like, oh, those are kind of harsh words, uh, you know? This is the kindest thing that God could ever say to you. He's just trying to tell you, if you walk through this life separated from God and then you step into eternity separated from God, you will spend all of eternity separated from God. Like the Bible is true. There is heaven and there is hell and he doesn't want you to go to hell. He doesn't want anybody to be destroyed. He wants people to repent. Oh, repent, what a word. That just means you're walking down the wrong road. Like it, it's not a mean thing to be like, there's destruction that way, don't go that way anymore. Turn around, come back to me, right? There's a better direction, there's a better path, there's a better road, so come back to me. God is just saying he doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants people all across Cape Cod to be saved. And as Harbor Church seeks the well and seeks the face of God, he'll do a lot that we don't know, but here's one thing he will always do. He will call his church to take this saving message further and further, even down the road to the next town and the next community to awaken more people. Maybe he'll even call you to take his message down Route 28, I don't know, all the way to the town of Mashpee or something like that. Maybe, shocking.
Several weeks ago, I had to come down to Boston uh, for a couple of meetings with some, some other church leaders across New England. And uh, my kids were out of school that day, and so we decided as a family, hey, let's, let's, all, let's all go and go down to Boston. And, and then we decided, you know, hey, it's, you know, we're, we're close enough, let's, let's actually get a place, let's stay for the night on, on the Cape. And so we, we got an Airbnb, and we ended up getting a, a place in Mashpee. And so we stayed in Mashpee uh, that night and, you know, went to my meetings and came back. And the next day we got up and did a few things as a family, but then it was time to, to get ready and to go. But we said, hey, let's, let's do this first. Uh, we piled into the, the minivan and uh, we, we started to head down 28. Uh, we stopped at Polar Cave, um, which is not Katie's ice cream, you know. I know you have a strong affinity for Katie's ice cream here. We, we do too. We've been there many times. But we got Polar Cave, got some ice cream, and then we went right about across the street to Harbor Church Mashpee. And we pulled in there, and there was, you know, nobody, nobody there. And, you know, we're, we're standing in the, in the parking lot, and we're looking around, and my kids are sticking their face on the windows, looking, you know, inside. If, you, if you're there as a cleaning crew, you know, anytime soon, there might be some boogers left behind, you know. Those are Coleman boogers right there. Um, you can keep those, but... And then we stood as a family of five in the parking lot, cars going back and forth, and we just prayed. We prayed for you. We prayed for your leaders. We prayed that God would give the answers, that God would open the doors that only he can, can, can open, that he would give wisdom and direction, that he would give the finances, that he would do all of those things, and that some of those cars that were going back and forth would be filled with people that would soon walk through the doors of that new location and come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. We prayed for that. We prayed for you. My prayer is that some of you will do the same thing. That if you haven't yet done that, when you're driving by sometime soon, that you would pull in for a minute. Because I think that we have to bathe this next step in your church's journey in prayer. And as you pray for these things and you seek the heart of God, you seek the face of God, the will of God, don't just pray, hey, you know, God, I hope you tell Pastor Josh and the leaders what they need to do. I, I hope you would pray this. God, personally, what part do you want? Me and my family to play in all of this? What part do you have for me to play? Because that's where it begins. That's where it starts. We need a national revival. We need a local revival. But who here knows it, it starts here? We need a personal revival. One, one more time, Second Chronicles 7, 14. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins. Church is promising. I will restore their land. You know what's interesting here? God is not pointing you know, outside of the church walls at all those people and going, they need to change. You're all good. They need to change. He's not saying in this instance, it's the culture that needs to turn. We know that needs to happen. He's not saying the culture needs to turn. He's saying it's the church. It's the Christians who need to make a turn. So what type of turn do we need to make to see revival in our lives and awakening on the Cape and in this country? I think the first turn that we need to make is we need to turn from our willing, disobedient, unrepentant sin. Again, that's a word. It's like oh, un unrepentant. That just simply means that sometimes we come into this place 
and into this time and we feel a certain way and we feel God tugging on our heart, trying to remove some things. You know what I mean? You ever been there convicting us of some things? Like, hey, I want to get some stuff out of there and I want you to lay some things down. And we're like, I need to do that and I'm going to walk out and it's going to be different this week and I'm living for him. I'm not living for them or this or me. And then we get back into the same environments and with the same people and the same desires. We get wrapped up again and we just keep doing the same thing. And we're like, I'll play this game. I'll have this pattern over and over again. It's unrepentant sin. Now, here's the thing. If we are living in willing, unrepentant sin, God can still work his plan. He can still bring revival, but he doesn't have to use you in his plan. Unrepentant sin is always going to take us off the field, out of the game, put us on the sidelines, on the bench, and revival can come and sweep through, and you will be an onlooker. You will be a spectator, and it will pass you on by. Here's what, here's what the Bible tells us about unrepentant sin. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1 through 2. It says, listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. So, so we can pray as many prayers as we want, but if we are living today in willing, disobedient, unrepentant sin, he doesn't even hear it. And we will never see revival in our life or in our land, we have to turn from our sin. Here's another turn that we need to make. <laughs> Some of us, we need to turn off the TV. <laughs> we got to turn off the news every now and again. We got to turn our eyes away from our devices and our screens because the truth is the answers you need most, you're not going to find them there. <laughs> And we need to turn back to where Christians once got our answers. We need to turn back to God's word, not just on a Sunday morning, but daily for our answers, our purpose, and our direction. We need to turn back to prayer like Christians once did for our help and our strength. We need to turn away from sin. We need to turn off some things. We need to turn back to some things. And here's the last turn we need to make. Some of us, we need to step up and we need to realize today, it's our turn. We need to recognize there are other faithful people who have gone before us and they have fanned the flame of revival. And now, it's on us. It's our turn. This mess that we're seeing, it's on our watch. It is time for some of you to stop coming and going and coming and going. It is time for you to step up, to serve, to support, to give, to pray. And it's going to be some of you, your turn soon to get out of your nice comfy chair, to go down the road a little bit as a missionary, to help open up the doors of the next location so the next community of people can be revived and then the next and the next and the next. And if we would do this, if we would turn and if we would step up and take our turn, there can be revival and there can be the next spiritual great awakening. So what if, what if God used a church on Cape Cod to be the match that lit the flame of revival that spread across Cape Cod and then New England and even further than that? What if? Well, what if we stopped asking, what if? 
And what if we started praying right now? God, please do. Please do. Would you bow with me? Can we pray that together today? Bow your heads. Close your eyes with me. And as we bow, Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for those of us who are here today and are going, man, I, I have something. I've been given a gift. I have, I have the grace of God that covers my sinfulness and my shamefulness. And I know it's nothing I've done. God, you love this world so much. You gave your only son. He came. He died in my place on the cross. He took my sin. He took my punishment rose again on the third day, defeating death, having the victory. And today, because of his victory, I can have victory. I can have salvation. I can have life. Thankful for what I have. But God, we know there's so many people out there back and forth, living their life one day to the next, no purpose, no direction. They need to be awakened to you. God, you have a plan and you want to use us in that plan. So today we step up in our hearts and our minds and our attitudes and we say, it's our turn. We're ready. We're here. We're willing. Use us, we pray. Bring revival in our hearts. Bring revival in this church so that there can be a great awakening again. God, we don't want to just say over and over, what if? We're asking, please do. We're praying this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. If you'd like to support the ministries of Harbor Church as we bring the hope of Jesus to our community and the world around us, you can visit harborchurch.com backslash give, or you can text any amount to 84321. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.